So we receive referrals for at-risk whānau, people who have nothing, they are living in city of poverty, from government organisations every day, right? And if government organisations who run the systems in which we live are sending people to charities for the basic support, like we're feeding sometimes two, three thousand people a week. A week. And if that's what's happening, like there is something fundamentally broken in the way that we live. This is Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Kia ora, welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversations with me, your host, Angie Dixon. We've had the elections here in New Zealand recently, and for those of you here, whether you are happy with the result, gutted about the result, or somewhere in between, please remember in the spirit of today's conversation to treat one another with kindness. And yes, kindness is what today's episode is all about. Sarah Page started the Kindness Collective Foundation 10 years ago after becoming aware of the inequity of life and feeling that she and her friends could do something with what they had to get alongside others who had less. 10 years on and the Kindness Collective is a thriving network of thousands of ordinary New Zealanders who are helping those in need and they are partnered with some of New Zealand's biggest and most well-known companies to bring love and joy and peace and hope to people all around the country through acts of kindness. We talk about Sarah's journey of realising what life was like for others, what she decided to do about that, and the effect that performing these acts of kindness had on her own challenging journey with mental health. We hear the very tiniest tip of the iceberg of the stories that come Sarah's way on a daily basis, and why this has become a lifelong passion for her. We talk about how broken our systems are that mean the kindness collective even has to exist, but the huge difference they are making because they do. And we touch on this word kindness and about how deep and gritty kindness really is. This is episode 81 of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Sarah Page. Kia ora, welcome to the podcast, Sarah Page. Kia ora, thank you so much for having me. It's very nice to see you again after so long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know want to think about, 23, Some, 24 tw- years, 20, something like that. Tw- tw- let's be gracious and say 20-something. Yeah. But nice. I, think, I think it's a lot longer than that. Yeah. So um, for those who don't know you, nor here, who are you? Um, tell us a bit about yourself. I am Sarah. I'm the founder and chief executive now of the Kindness Collective Foundation. So we are a nationwide what I call for-purpose organisation, because I hate the word charity and all that it encompasses. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Cool. And you've got a background in kind of business stuff, mm-hmm. marketing. Do you want to tell us a little yeah. bit about that side of things for you? So I, 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 you know, I haven't always worked in the charity sector. I actually ended up here by accident. Um, and I used to be a marketer for a really long time, which is – been really beneficial for now ending up in the charity sector. Um, but I was, yeah, so I was a marketing manager and event manager um, and actually worked across like a lot of different sectors and industries and ended up in hospitality marketing and used to run and 55 bars and restaurants and their marketing strategies across the country and all sorts of other things as well. But uh, music festivals and New Zealand Music Commission and yeah, L- lots of things like that that were completely different from where I am now. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and I mean, life life changes over time. Mm. Um, one of the big changes for you that kind of led towards the start of the Kindness Collective was um, your son's autism diagnosis. Yeah, like yeah, it was it was definitely that. And now, like ten years later, so I'm very careful about how I talk about that now because yeah. I don't ever want my son to. Um, Google his name or see sure. something or listen to something and think that his his burden and his autism and his, you know, who he is, who he fundamentally is, I don't want him to ever think that that was, um, you know, like a, 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 a bad thing. A or, problem, you know, yeah. It was a problem. I don't even want him to hear that. So I'm very careful about how I talk about that now. But um, his, what I call beautiful brain, was, you know, the catalyst for the Kindness Collective and, and how it all sort of came to be. But I I struggled to get pregnant. It wasn't very easy for me to, to get and stay pregnant. It was definitely a challenge. Um, and then when I finally, you know, was pregnant with Max, I had a really, really rough time. I had depression right the way through the pregnancy. I had him. I had terrible, terrible postnatal depression and, and psychosis as well. Wow. I really struggled with being a mum. It was not natural for me. It was um, well. It's it's funny because it is natural for me. I'm very nurturing and I'm like I love my child more than anything. But those first sort of nine to ten months were really, really difficult. Um, and I had a I had really bad um, postnatal depression. And then he, I started noticing when he was sort of eight, nine months old, he wasn't doing all the things that the other kids in the coffee groups were doing. And it was just a very different um, child than other people had. And so he was subsequently diagnosed with uh, severe autism and global development delay at 18 months. Um, And that sort of thrust us into the world of of autism and childhood disability in New Zealand and all that that encompasses. How how did that change your worldview your perspective oh my goodness it changed everything and I'm so grateful now I'm so you know at the time it was really challenging because you know when you have you know a child with an illness or a disability or there's something is perceived as being wrong you put everything that you are into finding a solution and what I didn't know and it took me some years to figure out was there didn't actually need to be a solution he's perfect the way he is we just needed to adapt ourselves um, and we did, and we gave him the best tools possible for him to navigate a world that is not set up for yeah. people with autism to live in, um, which is our bad, not their bad. Yeah. Um, and it took me some time to get there, but I got there, and, and now I, um, I'm so grateful because he's the most beautiful human being I've ever been lucky enough to be around. But, um, but that was, you know, a very big eye-opener because – you know, I don't know if you've ever been in community, you know, Facebook groups. Oh, my goodness. Um, but I, I joined, like, a lot of the autism parent Facebook groups and trying to kind of, you know, get advice and all the kind of thing. And and I, because of my privileged position with my career and my husband's career and we had money and we had family and, you know, we had all these resources available to us, we were able to get help. We were able to get a private diagnosis. We were able to get... Um, you know, all the different therapies and things like that and everything that he needed to help him. Um, And I was soon finding really quickly that unless you have that kind of privilege in Aotearoa, you do not have that available at your fingertips. And there were so many whānau that 
couldn't access support. They couldn't access anything to help their children, but they were having trouble putting food on the table as well. And it was that was a very big lesson in, holy shit, you are very, very lucky. Yeah. And once you realise that, you can't unrealise it. Um, and that position, I think, that kind of realisation of how lucky we were really um, spurred me into action to support other people that weren't born on an even playing field, you know? I've touched um, with a number of my guests um, talking about disability and theology and a whole bunch of stuff mm. um, around that idea of social disability where we've had this medical view of something is wrong with you. Yeah. And yet there's another way to look at it, which is that actually just society is not, it's not set up to cater for people no, who are different. It's really and, not. Yeah. And, and that that's actually what's disabling them. Totally. So society is set up for Pakia, usually sorry to say it, but men, you know, like it is, it is set up and it is, the system is built around success for a certain type of person and uh, no one else. But if you're in that lucky minority that can break through, then you're hailed as a hero. Yeah. But actually it's just the system is not set up for for everyone to succeed. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm helping fundraise at the moment for a, a friend who's been on the podcast, Manny Cox, who mm. um, he's in a wheelchair and needs a ve- needs a vehicle because and because he's quite tall, and you have to have a certain amount of clearance over your head when you're in your wheelchair in a vehicle. Yeah, he's got to get a very expensive vehicle, and there's just not the funding to cover it. Of course, it's not. And you know, he basically needs a whole lot of extra help yeah. to be able to do what I take for granted. Totally, you know, through no fault of his own. No, and no. and I mean, even the fact that you know I can find a three thousand dollar vehicle and it will suit my needs. Mm. It won't be amazing, but it'll suit my needs. Whereas he just can't do that. You know, totally. so um, I totally hear what you're saying about that, and um, beautiful that you were able to see that and that you've grown in that, um, and and that your son has got a mum who sees him like that. I think that's really beautiful. Oh, totally. Like I would like. Uh, He's, you know, I would never stop his stims or all the unique things and the fact that he asks me the same question 50 times in a row, you know, like, and you just answer it, you just answer it. And he's, um, anybody that meets, and I'm super biased, obviously, but anyone that meets my son just falls in love with him. And he, I just did, I did this um, campaign with Saban a couple of months ago and they asked me what was the, word that describes your child and everyone who did it had to answer and for me all I could think of was the word joy because he is just so joyful and I think had he not been autistic who knows like it might have been completely different but um that has been like a a massive cause for change for all sorts of people in our lives yeah Yeah. so you you saw this sort of other side of life this way that life wasn't yeah. set up for people. And, and how did that then lead to the kind of collective foundation? Yeah. Well, it's like, I don't know. I'm sure you do actually know, but giving <laughs> is super addictive. And I had really bad depression. I was, you know, starting to focus on something that wasn't my own darkness, I guess. And I started, you know, I'm a very persuasive person. I'm, if, my friends and family will agree. Like I'm very good at getting stuff. So I would, you know, coerce or ask, beg, whatever, (laughs) my friends to donate things. And um, 
and then you know I had a network of you know 50 people and then the next year it was 500 and then it was a thousand and then it was 2,000 people and then it was more and more and more and the ability of you know we were able to do more for different communities and support more people and more people and I started to get really addicted with the um you know with giving and how good giving made me feel but also witnessing the change in my friends and my family and some of my friends and family that were once very focused on in the same way that I was focused on self you know and it's I guess what I have learned along the the last 10 years is it's really difficult to be focused on your own depression and darkness and stress and anxiety and all those things that happen in our lives it's really hard to feel those emotions and feelings when your focus is uplifting other people yeah and so I think over the years that depression lifted and I started to have another purpose and, um, you know, and some people, if you're a religious person, you would say that would be a higher calling. And, you know, and I have um, friends within the sector that are Christians and do believe that God has called them. I don't believe that. I believe that this is the right thing to do and yeah. it's not to do with a God or a universe or whatever it is, but I believe that, this is what we should all be doing. And mm. I think if we all took care of those that were, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it, vulnerable, in mm. our society, like if we all just focused on, you know, other people and making sure other people had what they needed, then we'd be less focused on our own shit. There'd probably be a hell of a lot less issues, challenges, depressions, you know, all those sorts of things. People would maybe want less, you know. And and um, I think the, the generosity you're talking about is also seeing the need and the unfairness and the, mm. you know, the way that systems don't work. Systems don't work. And I, we're starting to really see that now, I think. And for me, so we so we are a nationwide organisation. We work with 145 different community partners around the country, and that's everyone from the police, social services, different hospitals, te whata, auto, like everybody. I, I receive government referrals every day. So we receive, receive referrals for at-risk whānau, people who have nothing, they are living in severe poverty, from government organisations every day, right? And if government organisations who run the systems in which we live yeah. are sending people to charities for the basic support. Like we're feeding sometimes two, 3,000 people a week, a week. And if that's what's happening, like there is something fundamentally broken in the way that we yeah. live. And it, it's taken a global pandemic, I think, for people to really kind of go, something's not working. You know, and um, it's becoming more and more and more apparent as as we go on that, um, yeah, the system was not designed for everybody to be successful. Yeah. And yet it's really easy to live life, if you are in that privileged kind of space, to live life without even realising that. Because oh, you just drif- Andy, drift along. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. And for me now... I can never unsee it. There are definitely times where I'm like, oh, my God, I am so stressed or that story was horrific or I'm going to make a million dollars this Christmas, <laughs> like, like, which is where I'm currently at now. You know, there's so, like, so many times that I, I wish, you know, could I, you know, go back and 
have a, you know, not see all the things and hear all the stories and, you know, and, and hear a referral of a family that are living in a carport with a tarp around them and they've got a medically fragile child that's been discharged from hospital and they need some blankets. I wish I could not hear that story, you know, but you can't unsee it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking as I was getting ready to, to chat to you about how awesome it is that there's organisations like yours doing this work mm. and how gutting it is that there needs to be organisations like yours doing this work. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? And that's the thing is every single day, and I will, I guess, rant about it until I can no rant no more, <laughs> but <laughs> is that we should not have to exist. We no charity or any kind of social service or whatever it is, we should not have to exist. I'm very grateful that the Kindness Collective can get support from our business community and from donors and, you know, from our campaigns that we do to drive resources to those that don't have it. I'm very grateful for that, but mm. we should not have to do it. Yeah, I should not have to, like, it's, it just, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't be in this position. We should be able to live in a country where everybody is born on an even playing field. Everybody has what they need to thrive and everybody is, you know, everybody is able to access the tools that they need to access, but we just don't. And anybody that, I guess anybody that doesn't believe that and believes that we're all equal and we all have what we need and we just have to get a job or, you know, those things that we've been taught to believe. And that a boot camp is going to sort it all out for you. Oh, (laughs) don't. Sorry. I just can't can't even, like, some of the things that I hear, you know, and then, uh, you know, just politics uh, is just, oh, my goodness, it's just – especially going into this election. We've got a lot at stake, right? But for me, like as an organisation, we have to be very apolitical. But for me, poverty is so political. And it's just everything that we see now and we hear and all this, you know, I wish I could spend five, six, seven hours reading out to you every single referral that we get from families. They're just some of the saddest stories. And I think the thing for me and my big realisation, and it's really, oh my goodness, it's hit me over the head in the last couple of years, is we have been taught from a really, really young age that if you live in poverty or hardship, it is your fault. Yeah. And I yeah. am going to spend the rest of my life challenging that to every single person I meet, whether you like it or not. But it's, it's, we've been taught that, that poverty is your fault. And every single day we see it with our donations, our campaigns and, you know, the level of support we will get for a whānau that's in Starship, for example, or that um, has been affected by illness. Thank you. My beautiful team members just brought me a cup of tea. Um, uh, you know, we see it with, with our Starship referrals. You know, if we put a, a story out to our community and ask for support over it, the children with cancer will get 10 times more support as the child living in poverty. Um, And it just reinforces the idea that poverty is your fault and you just have to work harder and get yourself out of it. And do you think that's partly too, because like the the child with cancer thing could happen to me. Exactly. But the poverty thing can't can't happen happen to me. It can't happen to me, yeah, totally. And, and And yet stories I've heard, 
of you know people who have been really comfortable in life. Mm. The pand- pandemic hits, changes totally. everything, and now they're just not coping. Or a flood, or a cyclone, or a, an illness, or a disability. And a, you know what is it? Most New Zealanders are only four or five paychecks away from being homeless. Like that's a really scary thing to think about. But what's even scarier for me in the in the the work that we do every day is, you know, over fifty percent of our homeless community are an Indigenous people. So, um, you know, our tangata whenua, 50% that make up more than 50% of, of our homeless community. And it's things like that every day that we're having to, you know, support families with the basics, the essentials. And, I mean, our, our organisation, we support, uh, it's like 45 to 50% Pacifica and then about 35 to 40% Māori communities. And and then, we've you know, we that's just how we've where we are and that's where we the need is for us and that's the referrals that we get and um and it's just every day it's insane to me that we are here that is just absolutely insane and I yeah that stat alone is is enough to go actually there is not equity here you know like if if anyone's got any sort of idea that we're all equal we've all got Mm. the same shot in life the stats would not be that if that was the case. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And we just don't. And we just see it in so many, so many different ways. The prison systems, the homeless rates, the, you know, the amount of Māori men and women in prison on first-time drug offences, yet we can have CEOs getting away with billion dollars. Yeah. Anyway, let's not go. There will be this 17 yeah. hours. But, <laughs> yeah. but it's just now every day that we are doing this, work we are seeing you know the need at the moment in the community is just unreal it is and it's not just those that were living in poverty as well it's things like natural disasters have really tipped you know tipped that edge so there are the there are people that were doing okay beforehand they were able to make ends meet they were able to pay the bills they were able to pay their rent and buy food and now it's you know, it's it's just this this last six months has really pushed a lot of people into into poverty. So it's it's busy. Yeah. So, in terms of your um, like, we've we've kind of talked about the general idea of of kindness and what's going on, what what needs addressing. How do you, as an organisation, what do you actually do in terms of your on the ground stuff? Yeah, so we, we have um, five nationwide programs that we run. We've got a community hub in Onihanga in Auckland, and we have um, coordinators around the country as well. Actually, Christchurch is our uh, third busiest place. Um, and so we run these programs that are basically provide a, what we call essentials and moments of joy for whānau and needs. So we have 145 community partners that will refer families every day for our Everyday Essentials program. So we are food boxes, toiletries, clothing, blankets, everything that a person needs day-to-day to survive, essentially. Um, we work with some really incredible businesses like uh, the Warehouse Group. We are their charity, one of their charity partners. We're Teagle's charity partner, Mighty Ten's um, charity partner. So we work with a whole bunch of really beautiful businesses that support us to support whānau and need. And then we also realise that if you're a family that is really struggling to make ends meet every week, then the, the moments of joy that make childhood memorable and make those 
you know, birthdays and Christmases and school trips and things like that, they're just off the cards for many families. So we also work with hospital boards and um, and police and lots of other places as well to give children moments of joy. So that can look like we get all the Starship referrals and hospital referrals for kids, um, the oncology wards and other wards, and that can look like an All Blacks visit or a um, cake in a giant Lego set. Um, and then we also work with a lot a lot of schools and ECE centres and send Lego around the country because we um, work with Lego. So we send Lego everywhere. Um, and then we also open the Christmas Joy Store, which is my, apart from my son, my greatest joy in the entire world and the thing I'm most proud of. Uh, so the Christmas Joy Store is New Zealand's first social toy store. So it's essentially, if you can imagine, Toy World at Christmas, Mariah Carey on repeat, fairy lights everywhere. It's themed... This year, this year's theme is bougie Smith and Coe. So it's like the Santa's Grotto, white snow everywhere. It's going to be fantastic on a charity budget. Um, not Smith and Coe budget, but um, but it's essentially it's a social toy store. Referred families and caregivers are invited to shop for their children. They get to choose gifts, four gifts per child off the shelves that they actually know their child's going to love for free. So they are given a shopping basket, a trolley. We have a giant wall of Cadbury. We have a food market. And Fano can just come in and go, cool, I know Andy loves trucks. I'm going to get him a truck. I'm going to get him – and they can choose. Um, we've got a store in Auckland this year, a store in Hawke's Bay, and then next year we'll have one at Otahi as well. So there will be three – Stores will, and then we'll eventually build, 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 and just have stores everywhere because I think that's the model is the dignity of choice because yeah. everybody deserves choice. And I think one of the other narratives we've been taught along the way around poverty is that beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. Um, but that's bullshit because, <laughs> you know, everybody deserves choice. Yeah. And um, so the store is all around choice. And so, Last year we did Christmas for three uh, 10,370 kids, and this year we want to do 20,000 kids, which is roughly 60 to 70,000 presents, um, which is terrifying. But and beautiful. Keeping, and keeping me up at night. <laughs> but we'll be fine. Yeah. We'll be fine. But, um, yeah, so that's the store is one of our kind of moments of joy. So we do uh, the PJ project, and we work with the warehouse to provide one to to families as well. Um, and we have a school program and then we do build projects because I like to do things differently. Um, we work with Mitre 10 to build school gardens as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah, there's a lot of different stuff, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, I believe in being community led and that we do not need another charity sitting in a building somewhere dictating what communities need. So we are not single cause driven. We, uh, Mahi is very varied. We do lots of different things and, because we just go where the need is essentially. Yeah. I love that. You've got the things, like, I'm really passionate about this thing, so I'm going to make that happen. But also mm. there's a need over here. So let's Absolutely. let's work on that as well. And yeah. I, I think I, I love the idea that, I mean, it's in your name, the kindness collective. You know, this is yeah. about a collective of people all working together to make a difference. It's not it's, about It's me. not Sarah it's Page making absolute, a difference. That's absolutely it. Yeah. And I am very careful not to make it about me. I don't want, this to be a brand about me I'm not going to make you know yeah I want it to be about a community and I yeah. think that it is and it's uh, and because it does take all of us it takes the whole community to be able to 
support everybody and to create an Aotearoa where everybody can thrive, it's not going to be one person that does that, right? Yeah, so totally. I'm just, it's about a community and a collective of kindness and not about one human being. Yeah. yeah. And it was it, like from my outside observation, it was that collective nature of everything that allowed you to swing into action when Hawke's Bay got really hit. Totally. By it. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I mean, oh, Hawke's Bay's, I grew up in Hawke's Bay, so it's really dear to my yeah. heart. Yeah. And um, so to see you being able to get in there and um, get some real stuff happening on the ground. Do you want mm-hmm. to talk a little bit about what, how did you get involved? What, what did you get involved in? Yeah, cool. Well, we, 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 I mean, we do this kind of stuff every day. So for us, you know, we, when the floods happened, we immediately got calls and the Auckland floods on the 27th, on the Saturday morning, we got calls from all our community partners going, do you have some food? Do you have, we're like, you know, and then we opened our hub um, which became a distribution centre. You know, we had civil defence telling people to come to us, but we didn't get any money from civil defence. Uh, <laughs> it's another thing I'm ranty about. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we had, you know, we just basically turned into a distribution centre and so we had lots of donations coming in, lots of donations going out um, and just really supporting people at a grassroots essentials level. Um, and then the cyclone happened Um and we were immediately, just because we were already doing it, we were immediately able to connect with community partners and people in the Hawke's Bay and in, in Gisborne and just all around and start getting resources to them. So we connected with Waipatu Marae and we're still supporting them now and kind of working out what we're going to do for Christmas there. Um, and, you know, started connecting with other community communities down there as well. And just, you know, with working with our business community to get down, you know, pallets of water from coke and pallets and pallets of chicken to people who had to you know cook food on a barbecue for so long and and then just started you know through some funding opportunities that came like you know red cross and things like that we were able to just continue and it's been about two million dollars worth of resource we've been able to support so far and it's still it's still growing we're still getting referrals every day from people that are now, they've, you know, they've now come out of transitional housing. They're now getting into a kind order home. They're now able to, you know, so now they need a washing machine or yeah. now they need a bed or something like that. So we're yeah. still actively supporting people. And the Joy Store in the Hawke's Bay just made perfect sense because so many kiddos are just traumatised with what's happened over the last seven months. So... You know, who doesn't need a bit of yeah joy at Christmas? And These that's, guys do. <laughs> I mean, I, living in Christchurch, we know all about natural disasters and, and other totally. disasters. and other disasters. You guys have had a rough time too. And and the effect that that can have, especially on kids. You know, I'm I'm the board chair mm. at, at a school and it's it's been quite evident seeing particular groups of kids that were a certain age when those things happen. Yes. That kind of like across the city there's like a whole cluster of them that should have been starting school as COVID hit or you know those kind of things that um or or you know when we had the mosque shootings or whatever it was there's a whole bunch of things that have impacted kids lives and so to have people like yourselves come in and go we can't fix that for you but we can bring some joy. That's exactly it. Is I cannot fix childhood poverty. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah. But what I can do is spend the rest of my life trying to give people the basic essentials and bring a little bit of joy. That's what I can do. So that's what I'm going to do. And who can yeah. I influence in my 
immediate life to do that. I've done that. Now, who do I influence? And then who do we as a collective influence, you know, around the country to be able to do more of that? And now it's 10 years on and I do this every day because it's the right thing to do now. And, you know, it did become, you know, super addictive and I'm quite a driven person. So for me, success creates success. So, you know, I work really hard and I've sacrificed a lot, you know. But the, the, the one thing that is for a driven person and for someone who loves working and loves what they do and, you know, all that kind of thing, it is this, this job can be quite difficult because even though I do work really hard and I do work a lot of hours, I can't fix this. So I can work and I can work and I can work, but I will never solve it. So that's quite, you know, it's both, it drives you to do more, but it also is quite deflating in that, hang on, why are we getting more and more referrals this week? Why is there more, you know, like it's just, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's hard and it's yeah. a challenging sector, especially this year. It's, it's a difficult year for charities as well. Like, you know, when you go to a conference and the, the CEO of one of like the biggest charities in the country gets up and says, we're not getting very many donations. Times are really tough. You're like, yeah. oh, shit, what does that yeah. mean for the rest of us? <laughs> exactly. um, yeah. But, yeah. 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 Does it blow your mind when you look back 10 years and go, I started asking for a few friends yes. to start <laughs> contributing some stuff and now look at this? Yeah, it does. Like, I, like I think because I'm a driven person, and some would say, uh, I, like, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and if I said that, my entire team would like <laughs> lose their shit laughing. Yeah. Um, but I don't often sort of take stop and take stock, so I'll, I won't actually think like I don't really think like that. But you know, we were a community group for seven years and only just became a charity three years ago. I mean, 18 months, almost, no, two years ago, I was still working in my previous career. So to go from, you know, 100 grand in our first year to, you know, like being a, probably, I think we've done 10 million in the last three years, like it's it's pretty phenomenal. And, you know, like it is. And we were like, one New Zealander of the year this year. There's things like that that make me go, oh, that was cool. But then I kind of just go, ah so much more work to do it's so much more like it's very I don't I don't reflect for long because then you'll get a referral of yeah of a five-year-old who's been having to be brought back from the dairy three times by the police because the child keeps leaving home to look for food at the dairy yeah and then you hear story after story after story like that so it's it's like okay New Zealand of the year means shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that though. I'm very grateful. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's all just stuff. It goes back to that what we were saying about, yeah. you know, it's it's amazing that you're doing it and it's really gutting that you have to. You yeah. Know, that, yeah. That that the award is a is recognition of some really, really good work. By a it's lot a rec- of people. It was a recognition for me that what we are doing it matters, and it's an acknowledge- you know not not recognition, but more acknowledgement that there's a problem, 
there are some people out there trying to fix the problem or trying to help the problem. And it's actually about all the social workers and the police and the teachers and the, you know, the coolest thing about that entire award, apart from the fact I got to wear a fancy dress, <laughs> was, um, you know, was the, the most coolest thing was the following week, the amount of social workers and people who would come into the hub, pick up the award and go, ooh, and take a selfie. That was the coolest thing because they won it. Totally. You know, and that it wasn't about us, and it was, and I made sure in my speech to talk about that it was that I furiously wrote as I sat there going, "Oh shit, I think we might win." Uh, <laughs> but you know, yeah. you know, it's it's not about us. It's about the social workers on the front line. It's about everybody out there. It's actually about the families yeah. that have to do that have to live this life every day. Like it's it's that's that's the thing that we should be focusing on. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's beautifully summed up in your organization's name, actually, with the word kindness. Yeah, and I think for us, like kindness, there's this one person that ruined the word kindness for us, but it was my word before Jacinda made it a thing. <laughs> I think she copied us, um, and she's listening. I've said that to her face, so it's fine too. But um, but I, kindness isn't this fluffy buzzword. It's not. Kindness is urgent it's empathetic. It's realizing that the only difference between you and me is luck. It is the only difference, you know, but it could be any of us. So it's it's an it's a word that for me is all about action and it's not just a slogan on a t-shirt. You know, it's actually it's it's a really important word. And I think you know, if we can just inspire anyone to just think about those in their community that aren't doing as well as them whether that's through your vote or through um you know or you know whatever it is or you know donating the cans out of your cupboards or bringing a toy in at the christmas joy store or so doesn't even have to be through the kindness collective it can be you know through a charity or an organization that resonates with you i think then i will be happy mm. yeah maybe <laughs> you know like it's it's a it's a anyone can be anyone can be kind and anyone can look after you know the people in their in their neighborhood i think the other thing that's come across really strong in this conversation is that kindness isn't about charity in terms of it's not just about you need something i have something i can give it to you yes and oh, aren't I good doing that? No, you know, it's yeah. actually you're you're partnering with someone because they need something that you can help supply. Yeah, but actually, I mean, you've talked about how much that's transformed you. Yeah. you know that this is actually a, a mutual respect thing. You know, kindness is not a savior complex. You know, uh, oh yeah, oh god, have we got another hour? Let's not talk about <laughs> being white saviors and the amount of charities. And sorry, I hate to say, but a lot of Christian charities yeah, lot. Uh, have a real strong white saviour complex. And and for me, it's not about coming from a position of power. It's coming from, we call ourselves a matchmaker. We match those in need with those who have more to share. And that can look like anything, right? But it's not coming from a, from a position of power. And that's it's coming from a position of empathy. And literally, the only reason that you are in this position and I am this position is luck and where and who we were born to. Yeah. You know, it really comes down to that. And once you, 
yes, you know, you can work hard and you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and all those things, like la, 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 la. And I'm not taking away from anyone's success who has worked really hard to be there. I'm not. The majority of people that have ended up where they've ended up is just through luck, right? And through, you know, the community or whatever they were born into. And I think the sooner we all kind of realise that we can come away from this kind of approach of us and them. Yes. Yeah. And it's actually, we are all in this together. We yeah. all need to come together. It takes all of us to live in Aotearoa. We need to stop coming at it from a position of, of that power yeah. and us helping, you know. Yeah. I hate that word too. Helping. Helping. Yeah. <laughs> I have a list of ick words. <laughs> Vulnerable, helping, charity. No, helping is fine. But, um, yeah, it's... There's a lot of really great operators in the charity sector, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of organisations that I think need to take a step back and remember why they're doing it. Yeah, well, it's great to see that you know why you're doing it. Oh yeah, but I'll still need chickens. I mean, we're already, you know, like you know, I still from time to time will just remind myself, you know, of what it's all really about, but. I think there are a lot of organisations that need to step away from being a white saviour. Well. On that note. <laughs> I, I think that's actually, I mean, it's a good place to finish because that's a good challenge for, for us all, uh, all of us who are listening to go, actually, where can I contribute? Mm. And how can I do that in a way that is not uh, bringing, About me? A, bringing a position of power? Yeah. Um, you know, and and it's not about me. Yeah, is mm. is about giving and doing the right thing. You know, I mean, we talked before we started recording about how Christians often have an agenda of trying to convert people and or getting actually, to heaven. Yeah, yeah, and, or, and it, or whatever it is. You know, and actually, the reason we should be kind is because it's the right thing to do. Um, yeah. And so, if people wanted to support what you're doing, wanted to become part of what you're doing, how do they go about that? Um, so we have all these different programs that operate nationally so people can get involved at any kind of level but our website is kindness.org.nz which is the easiest website in the world to remember but um, there's all sorts of different information there about how you can get involved and people can join the PJ project with their you know their club or their school or their business and collect warm winter PJs over over uh, winter hence the term anyway I just <laughs> went to three times in a row um but they can collect pjs and then those go directly to children around the country that need them you know and so we do that at christmas as well there's so many different things that people can get involved with well thank you for your time today uh, thank you for taking the opportunity to share about uh, your change in worldview uh, your change in perspective on life uh, thank you for all that you're doing to spread a bit of kindness around Aotearoa and thank you for what you're doing to bring a bit of heaven down to earth Kakite, thank you very much for having me really good to chat Hello Hello heaven Will I hear you whisper to come I'm so grateful to Sarah for sharing this journey with us. I love the idea that kindness is not a fluffy thing. 
Kindness is actually such an amazing and potent weapon in the fight against inequality. I think it was also important to hear Sarah say that she isn't going to be able to fix things for people, but she can help to bring a bit of joy and peace into their lives regardless. Sarah, thank you so much for who you are and for what you do. Here is a blessing for you. Sarah, may your family know joy and abundance as you live your lives to uplift others. May you always be surrounded by others who share your passion and who can be kind to you in those moments when you need it. May your son continue to grow and flourish in the world through the love and nurturing that he receives from you and Dave and from understanding the beautiful gift that he is to the world. May the Kindness Collective continue to bring aroha and joy and peace and hope to people across the motu as you find ways to show kindness to those in need. May finances flow and your volunteer base grow so that you can accomplish even more as you look to make a difference in people's lives. In the times when it's really hard, may you have others to prop you up, to take some of the load, to cry with you, and to remind you that if you make a difference in just one life, then all of this is worth it. Many years from now, when you or others look back on your life, may that view be summed up in these two words, love and kindness. And may you know that through these two things, you are leaving the world better than you found it. Lastly, may you know that you are seen, you are heard, and you are loved. Thanks to Strawn for the music and Rangi for the karakia. Join me next time when we carry on talking about poverty and inequality with Lisa Matos from Dignity New Zealand. We talk about the work that Dignity are doing in the area of period poverty, what that even is, and why it matters. And we talk about how dignity in life can be given to people through simply being able to access period products when they need them. We talk about stigma, ignorance, and valuing your employees. We hear about how this business came about and why they structured themselves as a social enterprise in order to give back. It's a conversation that definitely needs airtime, and I'd encourage you to have a listen, especially if you think that this is a topic that doesn't affect you. It really is an important discussion. Until then, me inoi tātou. E tō mātou matua i te rangi, kia tapu tō ingoa, kia tau mai tō rangatiratanga, kia mea te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua, kia rite anō ki tō te rangi. Humai kia mātou ai nei, he taroma mātou mō tēnei rā. Muro mātou hara, me mātou hoki e muru nei i o te hunga e hara ana kia mātou. Aua hoki mātou e kawea kia whakawaia, engari whakorangia mātou i te kino. Amen.